Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I am so pleased today. I have a friend of mine, Adrian Ramirez. Uh, We've been trying to have an opportunity to speak for some time. He's extremely busy, as many of our guests are, and we were able to set time aside today uh, where he could share with us. Adrian, thank you so much for making it today. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I really appreciate it. Well, Adrian is a beautifully, wonderfully loved chef and successful restaurateur in Washington. Uh, He has a couple of restaurants, uh, Red Cork and Tequila Puebla, and people absolutely love his food. Let me just say from the very beginning, if you're in the Muckleteo area, you want to make sure that you come to Red Cork, and if you've got a grab-and-go, then Tequila Puebla is a beautiful, beautiful menu to take with you. I just want to get that out there right away. So, again, Adrian, thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how how and what influenced you to get into this field. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. We're very lucky to be in Mucoteo and to have the community support us so much. Uh, I do not take it for granted. Trust me, I, I work diligently to to make sure we're providing maximum value. So thank you for saying that. Uh, every time somebody says that, I really appreciate it because we work really hard to accomplish just that, that people are happy. You know, necessity got me into the food and beverage industry. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be book savvy and I definitely wasn't going to college. So started washing dishes at a, at a restaurant, a local restaurant in Mugotillo, and just, you know, worked my way up. I, I saw an opportunity to, uh, to become a cook from a dishwasher and then a, from a cook to a sous chef and then a, and then a sous chef to a, to a chef to running, running a kitchen, then, you know, then running a food and beverage, the, the food and beverage side, which meant planning events and um, coordinating events and things of that nature. So that was kind of the beginning of it. I want to touch base on kids nowadays, or or I I see a lot of people nowadays wanting to find their passion, right? Mm -hmm. Passion. People throw around this passion word. You got to, you got to go and find your passion. And I agree. I agree with them 100%. You got to go, and find your passion, but a lot of people won't go out and try a lot of things. That's the only way you'll find your passion. What I did was, you know, I dedicated myself to the food and beverage industry, and then I became passionate about it. So I would say, I would tell people, I tell my kids all the time that, 
you know, dedicate yourself to something. And I, and, and when you dedicate yourself to something, you'll, you'll find passion, you'll find your passion in it, you know, but you have to dedicate yourself. So cooking was not your first love to begin with? No, actually growing up, I wanted to be a police officer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a police officer growing up. So that was, that was my first passion. Actually, you know, the, the show in the, in the seventies and eighties chip. Yes. You know, the, the, oh, I love that show. I grew up watching that show and I wanted to be a chip so bad. Um, but you know, so there, that, that was my first, that's my first passion. And that's what I wanted to grow up, to grow up to be. Fortunately, I wasn't quite there leaving out of high school. So it, it really wasn't an option for me. You know, I needed to pay bills. You know, I was, I wasn't in a position where, you know, I could try out things. I needed to pay bills and, and help out. And, and so for me, it was making more money, right? At first it was about making more money. You know, ultimately that is the goal. And so I started working 40 hours since the age of 16. Wow. I was working 40 hours. I was a full-time dishwasher. Yeah. And, wow. and then it, you know, like I said, then I moved my way up to a cook. And even then I didn't realize, you know, I still kind of was like, well, you know, I'm learning a trade. I'm learning. I can, you know, I can do this anywhere, right? You need cooks everywhere was a little bit of my thought process in the food, in why I, I stuck with the food and beverage industry. You know, the, what I had at, at that certain restaurant, it was, it was the Harbor Point Golf Course. I don't know if you know that or not, but yes. at the Harbor Point Golf Course, it wasn't family owned, but it was definitely family run. And, and they gave me a good opportunity. And and like I said, I, I, I really dedicated myself to, to the golf course and to the food and beverage industry and, and learn to love it, right? Learn to find my passion in it. And I really, that's some of the, that's one of the biggest things I, I tell kids or I tell people around me is like, you, you know, dedication to something is really, is really key. It's almost more important than, than the passion of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you can dedicate yourself to something. And uh, again, I did, I dedicated myself to something and then I found the passion in it. Passion kind of comes and goes, right? That's why dedicate. Uh, that's why consistency is, is super important as well. It'll be consistent in things. Well, there's a scripture that I like that says there's much increase in the fallow ground, or it's something along those lines, basically meaning that the opportunities for success, the opportunity for resources is in the ground that you need to break up. It doesn't mm. just fall from the tree. It, the, there's work involved. There's work involved, and anybody who's done any kind of work on hard soil in order to get it ready to be used for planting knows that there's blisters, <laughs> there's backaches, mm-hmm. there's what we used to call old-fashioned work. But if you're willing to do the work, the increase is is in the in the dirt, you know. Or the old the other phrase, you know, magic is in the dirt. And really, that's kind of what you're sharing is you didn't have the passion for cooking to begin with but you were in the food industry and then from that with the amount of work that you put in you found passion you found your love of cooking which wasn't there to begin with is, is that what i'm absolutely. hearing you say absolutely absolutely you say that and that's a great i'm going to look that scripture up that's that's such a great 
it's exactly right. I'm currently working uh, with a nephew of mine who's come up from Mexico to work with us for a little bit. And, you know, I keep telling him, I go, I keep telling him that he's a photographer and he does this marketing stuff and he wants to just create magic. And, and I want to create magic too, but it just, magic just doesn't, doesn't happen, you know? And when you go and do these photo shoots, yeah, we can get some good photos, but he wants the magic, right? We want the authentic magic. And what I tell him is you're going to find that when we're videoing on a dinner service, and it just magic just happens. It happens while you're while you're actually putting in the work, mm-hmm. like you're saying, right? When you're when you're mulling the soil over, that's when the magic just pops out of nowhere. You know, it's if you're not doing the work, you're not dedicated to what you're doing. You're never going to find the magic consistently, and that's what both of my restaurants are about. Both of my restaurants are about consistently creating the same flavor for the guests. It never ceases to amaze me. I've said for lots of years, I, I've said for lots of years up until a couple of years ago that what we do at our restaurants is not really special. And what I've really found out is that it's really special because a lot of restaurants don't do it, which is consistently make food the same. So when you come in on Tuesday and then you come in on Friday, it tastes the same. If you have the same menu item, it tastes the same. It's incredible. Adrian, mm. we constantly hear Adrian, it's always good. It's always the same. And people, that's that's so difficult, right? It's so difficult to be monotonous about it, but so monotonous that it's that it is a challenge because you're challenging yourself day in and day out to do it the same. Yes. Yes. Well, on Broadway, they had a, a phrase that every night is opening night. And there's mm-hmm. variations of this theme that you've heard from from different mm-hmm. celebrities. But for every night it's on every night it's opening night. The person who's from out of town, they had <laughs> they're going to the show. It's the first time they're seeing you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh Michael Jordan said something similar in that he knew, you know, the ticket prices were such that if a family were going to go watch a game, it was going to cost them a lot of money. And they may never see Michael Jordan play again. And he wanted them to have the experience to say, I saw Michael Jordan play. Not that I just saw Michael Jordan on the court. I saw a Michael Jordan performance when I went and I saw Michael Jordan and the Bulls play. And what you're saying in the in the world of food People come in. It's this is amazing. This is ter- this is amazing food, and it really is. I mean, I've been to your restaurants. <laughs> it's really good, and you know it's going to be good, and it doesn't disappoint. But what you're sharing is there's a lot of work behind the scenes to give that food that same experience, same flavor, daily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as human beings, we want to do it differently or you want to just say, no, we don't have to do it this way or it's okay this time and it's okay, you know, don't taste it. You know, we do a lot of tasting at the restaurant. Taste, taste, taste. Always taste the food. What's it taste like? What's it taste like? I mean, it gets it's to the point where, you know, I often don't eat at the restaurant anymore. I'm like, I've tasted all the food for dinner service tonight. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I don't really want to eat anymore. Um, but 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, you see these guys like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, just anyone who, who, who consistently, you know, performs at a high level. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's inspiring, right? And, um, you know, even some of these chefs that are at Michelin star restaurants, I mean, just that level of detail and that level of dedication to your guests, because ultimately, you know, that's, that's a big thing. You know, we're doing it for someone because it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's over the last year and a half, I really understood that making sure you're doing things for you first and foremost allows you more than ever to actually bring joy to other people and to actually bring value to people. You know, I'm working on building teams right now, you know, a good infrastructure, a good management crew so that I can start venturing out and trying to open up other businesses. But when I would do it for other people, when I first became a a business owner, when I transitioned from employee to employer, I wanted to do it for the staff. I wanted to do it for the team. And the results that I wanted weren't really there because you're doing it for other people. And it sounds so counterintuitive. It really does. It's amazing. Um, and then when I fall on my face, I say, you know, I'm doing this for everyone. I'm doing this for you guys. Slowly the transition has been to, okay, let me do this for me first you know, and make sure I'm taking care of myself so that then I can take care of the people around me. And, and the results have been amazing. Well, that you're raising the standard a bit higher is really what you're doing. You're building cohesive teams. You're, that's, that's, that's what you're working towards is building a cohesive team at your restaurant or restaurants. And you're raising a standard that says, hey, if, if I do it for you, that's one thing. If I do it for me, that standard is going to be generally higher. And let me set the standard here. Now let's work to reach this standard up here. That's what that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that what? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Your your path to this point. I'm going to step back because I don't want to skip over any anything. But you mm-hmm. you you were the son of two immigrants. You yep. you've this doesn't come easy to you because you've had to deal with dyslexia in yeah. in in managing everything and being a business owner. You know you do count your blessings daily. We, we work together on the Muckleteo Chamber of Commerce board, and we've been friends for a long time and teammates in that world for quite a few years. And when you come in, it's full of blessings. It's, you, it's what are you going to give? How can you help? How can we move things along? How do we achieve this goal? How do we bless the community? Uh, that's who you are. And taking that and putting that into these cohesive teams, trying to manage them so that they can get a piece and feel for what the American dream is and what the standard is and touch people's lives in the community. You're trying to replicate yourself. And in order to do that, you have to be committed to that thing called self. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being a son of immigrants. So, 
so my both of my parents immigrated from Mexico, um, and and I was born in Los Angeles. And at the age of ten years old, from Los Angeles, we moved to Washington, and I, I specifically I moved to Everett on Casino Road, and we lived on Casino Road for a couple of years. Then I moved down in here into Muckleteo into a one bedroom into a one bedroom apartment in Muckleteo. Mm. You know, well, well, I have friends right that are living in in you know upper middle class homes, and and so it was definitely for me, it was abstract it was it was i was so different in just and even just the way i live right and just even just the way you live when you come home you're in a one-bedroom apartment with you know with four people so that was definitely interesting i don't want to say challenging and i my upbringing was very good i was i was very active and and had friends and and i'd run around very mm-hmm. happy but it's definitely it was definitely eye opening or or sobering, right? Like, hey, I gotta, you know, I I want one day to live in one of these houses. I want one day to have, uh, be able to have a nice home and and have my family feel like we're we're not one step away from the from the street, right? Um, so that was very motivating for me, you know. And then the challenges you said, you know, my dyslexia and things of that nature. All of these things that I'm brought me up and that um, impacted me as I grew up have really been such strength. I mean, they've really, I'm so lucky and so blessed to have gone through what I had gone through so young because it's how I became a sous chef. It's how I became a chef. It, it helped me understand that you can overcome anything. Nothing, nothing is so, so tough that I'm not going to be able to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I might not be able to do it alone. I might need help. I might need, um, y- you know, more people involved, but it, it's something that I'll be able to break through and, and get through. So those, the upbringing that I had was very sobering. It, it kept me hungry. Uh, it kept me um, motivated. Um, you know, I, I know of lots of, lots of kids. I went to high school in the late nineties and that was when a lot of the opioids started. And I know lots of couple personal friends who, who died from overdoses. I really consider the upbringing that I have a blessing because I wasn't focused on just having a good time. I had a good time. But I was also focused on I need to pay bills. I need to do, you know, I need to help out. I need to. I can't go to that whatever because I got to go to work. I got to go work forty hours. I got to go do these things. So you didn't have um, the luxury. To, huge, you didn't have the luxury to get lost. Exactly. <laughs> I exactly. understand. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's so true. I really, I really believe that. You know, I really believe that. So what are some of the biggest challenges when you first starting out, first started out, you decided that you wanted to become a chef or you decided that you wanted to start your restaurant? You've been doing dishes. You've been in the industry for a while. Um, you start developing this love. You move up from sous chef to, you know, to the chef. And then you decide, I want to start my own restaurant. 
What were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you started out from that point? Well, some of the some of the biggest challenges were, you know, were not from the outside. They were from within. You know, can you do it? You know, do you have what it takes to do it? I was very lucky in that my wife was very supportive of me. You know, I came home one day. It was a slow transition, but I came home one day and said, hey, there's a restaurant for sale in Muggleteo, and we're going to buy it. Now, this didn't come out of the blue. I had been, we had been discussing, you know, hey, I really, there's a fire inside me. I want to do something. I have more to give, you know, at the golf course. I'm tapped out financially. So first it was tapped out financially. Then it was tapped out, you know, in, in, I had built a team. I mean, really the golf course when I was there was running, I didn't need to be there, right? I was, I was, there was no more challenges for me. There was no more incentive for me to put more into it because it was maxed out. Mm-hmm. And now whether that was because of management, whatever it was, it was uh, my, my level of interest was waning because I was maxed out. And so I was, you know, I had been telling Soko, my wife, Hey, you know, I got, there's more to give. I'm thinking about, you know, what's our next step? Can can we do a food truck? Can we do these things? So I actually bought a, I actually bought a, a shell of a, of a food truck mm. um, off of a friend of mine before I actually decided to buy a restaurant. So I had bought that shell and I had had it for about six, seven months. And then, and then this restaurant came about and I got, I came home. I said, Soko, there's a restaurant for sale. We're going to buy it. And she says, <laughs> and you're kidding, right? You're, are you serious? I go, yeah. And so the challenges weren't so much. Um, so one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest challenges was money. And so I had, I had bought a home uh, very young in life. I was 21, 22. And when I bought my restaurant, I was 35. And so I had that home and I knew that home was going to do something for me one day. So we had to sell it. We had to, I sold my home to get, to have the, the capital, at least enough capital to where I felt like, Hey, you know, if, if something goes wrong, we have enough money to at least survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go do something. Also, I will mention how I'm telling you that it was more mental you know, the men, the mentality of, okay, if we go do, I have a secure job now that is never going to go away. I'm going to go out and try to do this. And if I fail, I'll still be young enough to go and find another job. But that's easy, very easily said, right? So my wife and I would say to ourselves, okay, if we fail in being business owners, we'll still be young enough to go out and get jobs and still you know, still have that passion to, to work and to um, show an employer that we provide value and we'll get back to kind of where we were before we went out and on our own. And so that, you know, we had said that to ourselves and, and we certainly believed it, but it was very hard to swallow that, right? Very mm-hmm. hard to say, oh man, if we fail, we're going to have to go back to work and we're going to have to start all over, but that's a, you know, is that a risk we're willing to take? Clearly it was, but that was very difficult. That, that was difficult to get over the money part. I knew 
I knew I had my home and I knew we had, you know, a, good, a large amount of equity. The money part wasn't that big of a deal, but it was a challenge just because the owner wanted to get out really quick. That was one of the major challenges um, was mentally preparing yourself or, or telling yourself, hey, if this doesn't work out, what, you know, we'll go back to, to working. I would not say I had a plan B. There was no plan B. Mm. I'm in the belief. I'm in the belief of there's a plan A and you make that work regardless, right? There's, there's no, uh, there is no plan B. Uh, plan B is for people who aren't committed to plan A. So we were committed. So I would say that was the, the challenge was just that mentally preparing yourself for if something doesn't work. I was blessed enough and lucky enough to already have the passion to want to I knew in my heart and soul that the universe was telling me you have more to give. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that came from, it's really interesting as I think about it and talking about it, that came from, that came from the way I grew up and expectations for myself. Forget what people would say to me. My expectations for myself were very low. And so then when I started reaching these heights, for me that were, you know, uh, as I was growing up were maybe unattainable or I'm never going to do that, or I'm never going to see that. I'm never going to manage 30 people teams. I'm never going to do these things and then doing them and then saying, Hey, I can do it. And I'm actually good at it. And, you know, now I've dedicated myself to cooking and now, Hey, people like my food. I'm passionate about it. Now, all of those things really started accumulating to what was then, man, I have so much to give. I need an outlet to give it. I have more to give. I have more to, I want to push more. What can I do? What, what, what is it that I can achieve? And so that part of that part of the business, which I think people struggle with people, I think people are like, well, I'm not, I, I want to make more money and I want to go open up a restaurant because I hear it's profitable or I'm going to go do these things without that, without that, without that want to be better or to get better is, is really crucial to have both, right? I want to make more money, sure, but I have this overwhelming urge to give more. I, I just know that is, that was first and foremost, I was tapped out at my current, at my job and I had more to give. That was where all of this came from. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and that has been, crucial to my success because um i still have more to give you know i'm i'm um i'm now thinking man what i can i can open up five more of these things you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know so now it's just about building teams right how good can i get how how can i become more efficient in attracting the right people and then fostering a work environment to where they're growing and wanting to follow me um, but that, those are the challenges. I would say that those were, for me, those were the two big challenges. The money, which was locked up in a home in equity, but I had it. And, and then the, the self doubt, um, was, was, was big, you know, sitting with your significant owner or, or just sitting by yourself saying, okay, can you do this here? I mean, here we go. We're going to, we're going to give it a try. Those those two things were were very challenging for me. 
Well, you didn't have a blueprint. You didn't have a familial and, blueprint. You're going yeah. into a new field that no one in your family had done before. I mean, your your parents. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Your, your parents didn't well, own restaurants, did they? Um, no, no, no. They they. Uh, my mom worked in a factory. My dad. I did have some. I do have some uncles that were self-employed, but. Like I said, I moved up here and we were away from them. So, no, I mean, it wasn't anything that I grew up with uh, for sure. Yeah. So the challenge is part of that trusting yourself in, in addition to the money is how do I create this this blueprint? Where's the blueprint? And, you know, that's if you're if you're a trailblazer, which you are, it's part of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, you were yeah. taking you bought a. You bought a restaurant, but that person didn't train you how to run a restaurant. Absolutely. Those, those are two different yeah. things, right? Yeah. So, you know, some yep. of the other unique skills that help you be successful is you stated, and I'm going to share with you what you told me, and then if you can expand upon it, then that, that would be terrific. I said, asked you, what are some of the unique skills that also helped you to be successful? You said, you must let you must lead people, but you must let people fail is something that you said. I thought that was really interesting. And then you said you double-check everything. So can you talk about <laughs> here you wanting to lead, but at the same time you, you're saying you need to let people fail and you need to double-check everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're double-checking because you're expecting these people to fail. So can, can you share those two things, uh, expand on those a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, when you, I'm finding myself in a leadership position where it almost takes on a mentorship feel, yet I'm still very involved in the restaurants, right? I'm there every day. I'm not cooking every day. I'm not prepping every day. I'm not physically cooking the food for people every day, but I am engaged and so when you're in there, right, grinding up the soil every day, right, engaged every day, going in there, taking a look, okay, what's everything look like? Okay. And you see something that is, oh, I can, you know, I can see that is, is going to be a problem. Maybe it's the rotation of food. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it, it is, you see that in there. And I want to fix it. And I just want to tell, you know, who's ever there, hey, we need to catch that. Don't make sure you're going to do that or make sure this is going to happen. And so allowing the actual person who's in charge of overseeing the kitchen physically, right? Mm -hmm. The one that's still working in, in the kitchen and trusting that they're going to catch it. That's kind of what I mean. And then following up and then double checking with that person. Hey, did you catch that that was X, Y, Z? And then they say yes or no. It, it becomes a challenge because people, I work at a very high level of just simple things. What, what, what I think is simple, which is, hey, making sure the food comes out consistently every time, right? But in order to do that, there's a lot of checking. There's a lot of involved. Of, did you get that done? Mm -hmm. Did you cook it five minutes? Because you cook it four minutes, it's not enough. 
you cook it six minutes, it's too much. Could you cook it five minutes? Right? So that's what I mean by letting people fail. Oh, you missed that. Okay. But I'm going to come back later and just make sure that, hey, I noticed something earlier. Did you notice it? Yes. Oh, great. I'm glad you caught that. Right? That's the double checking of it. The letting go and and letting people fail is when you you don't fix the problem. You let the person have the opportunity to fix it. You come back and double check and they say, I didn't fix it. I didn't even see that. Oh, well, I did. Why don't you go ahead and fix it now? That's that's kind of what I mean. I got it. Yeah. So and that's very it's very challenging because then people start to people start to think, you know, that I don't have belief in them or 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 oh god, you know, he just he's just riding me or it's just this and what what people don't understand is when you when you have dyslexia and you have um, challenges like that and you have to double, triple, quadruple check your work because, you know, you don't want to send something with all these misspellings. Um, it really gets you in that mind frame of, hey, hey, when we're at a high level because we check, double check and triple check so that it is going out great consistently every time. Yes. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes perfectly good sense. In my mind, I'm thinking of the Top Gun movie, either the first one or the second one. They're both fabulous movies. But you can see Tom Cruise and some of the other pilots going underneath and checking their their planes. They're checking their jets. You know, there's there's things they check. Why? Because they don't want to find out that something wasn't done once they leave the ship, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a plate, uh, you know, of, of artistry of food. Hey, you want to double check before it lands on that table? Ab- but, ab- absolutely. You know, think of it as a jet. I mean, before it yeah. leaves the before it leaves the tarmac, you know, the floating tarmac, you know, and it goes through those double doors. It's showtime. Right. And that's what you're doing. You're just double checking, which is nothing wrong with that. Pilots do it. Experienced yeah. pilots do yeah. it. So, well, listen, we're coming up on uh, your hard stop. I know that you've got a really busy day and I really appreciate your taking time. Is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't covered? You know, there is one thing I want to I want to share what I'm 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 really Right now that I'm building teams, I'm really making a strong effort to have them understand that friction and that, you know, arguments, if you will, or discussions that aren't that aren't of the same position are actually such a good thing. A lot of what I'm practicing right now is is making sure people feel comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so key. I have always been able to receive feedback, negative feedback from people. I haven't always received it great, meaning I'm not offended or I'm not defensive, but I always do process it 
and reflect on it. Um, so I'm really trying to teach my, my leadership team to, to okay, if you're going to be defensive, fine, but make sure you're taking it and processing it and really reflecting on it. Because when people tell you something, it's not, their perspective is way different than yours. Right. And, right. and if you can, and if you can, you can use that perspective and reflect on it. I guarantee you 90% of the time you're going to grow or you're going to find something and say, okay, yeah, I can work on that. Or I see where they're coming from. Maybe not initially. Right. But, but I think conflict and, and, you know, I like being uncomfortable. I like being challenged in lots of different ways. And so, and finding people that are that way is very difficult. Well, that comes up to that, that, falls in line with breaking up the fallow ground, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Right in line with it. You know, success is just outside of this line <laughs> right here, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's, 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 that's good. Well, Red Cork is in Mukilteo. Tequila Puebla is, Tequila Puebla is just a couple doors down from that. Yep. One is, yep. uh, both you can order and take home, but you really want to sit down in Red Cork. You really want to sit down. The experience to sit and eat and enjoy there. Uh, the Tequera Puebla yeah. is really meant for more takeout, I think. I've been to Puebla. I've had friends, family that live in Puebla. I love it. And the food is excellent. And your food is excellent. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing with the restaurants. Thank you for what you're doing in the chamber and in the community. And my friend, thanks for spending time with us today. I mean, this is, this is terrific. If anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way, what's your coordinates? What's the best way for them to reach you? Is it Facebook, LinkedIn? How do they get in touch with you? Um, Best way to reach us is Instagram on both of our, we, uh, both of our handles or red cork is red cork. WA is a, is the handle for Red Fork and Taqueria or uh, Taqueria Puebla WA is for the Taqueria. And, you know, my email address is Adrian at redcorkbistro.com. That's the best way to reach me directly. And you do either one of these facilities offer catering? Can we get, can a person get catering? Oh yeah. Groups can get catering yeah. from either one. From either one of them, we on our on our websites, both of them have a catering form, and we do catering out of both of them. Yeah, excellent. Well, my friend, thank you so much for taking your precious time today to be with us. I know that it's busy just running one restaurant, let alone two. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Adrian. Truly appreciate you, brother. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you. Have a good day. All right, God bless. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Paul Ellis reminding you to invest in what you love.